This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler. I'm the general manager here at WZIP. Today we're going to be talking, um, well, I hesitate to say talking about polar bears, even though polar bears, that's the sexy part. They got everybody's attention, but the research we're talking about really isn't about the bears as much as what we can learn from the bears to apply elsewhere. And definitely, I'm not the person to be detailing all of this. Instead, it's best that I welcome in Dr. Ali Dinajawala. He is the W. Gerald Endowed Chair in the School of Polymer Science and Polymer Engineering, also the H.A. Morton Professor in Polymer Science here at the University of Akron. You know, I mentioned before the, you know, the pictures and I think, you know, the headlines and stuff like that had to do with polar bears. And polar bears were a very important part of this research that you uh, with a couple of other scholars, um, uh, you know, came up with some interesting results. But really, this has to do with questions about ice and, and, and adherence to ice and traction and stuff like that, right? Yes, Chris. Uh, we've been working with a project on ice for some years now. And our interest has been in how to actually reduce adhesion to ice. And you can uh, imagine this is a big problem for aircrafts uh, when we are flying. Uh, there is ice buildup that happens on the wings, and we would like to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started. Uh, but we really quickly realized that there is a lot of interest in the opposite problem, uh, which is how to increase adhesion to ice, to surfaces. And that's where we went started looking for biological models, inspiration from nature, and that's how we slowly uh, wandered towards the interesting example of polar bears. Mm-hmm. And how did, how, did you, how did you come to bears at all? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question that uh, we didn't really think about polar bears to begin with. Uh, we started thinking about problems associated with traction of tires on roads uh, in icy conditions and things like that. And so we started thinking about what other systems that we are aware of in nature uh, that has a similar problem Mm -hmm. uh, that's to deal with ice and snow, and how do they get a good grip on them, Mm -hmm. on that surfaces. And so I had a student who was very interested in this project for some time, and this was during COVID. Uh, We couldn't do much of the things in the lab itself. And so we decided, and he decided as well, is to start exploring uh, these examples of bears. And so he started reading papers, and those were really old papers. And in 1980s, there was an observation that was made in one of the scientific articles that polar bear feet pads have little bumps on them. And the article concluded that these bumps were responsible for getting better grip on the snow surfaces for them. Mm. And that's how the curiosity started. And so we decided that we should explore this, and if that is really a possibility, then that could give us ideas of how to design surfaces uh, that could have better grip on ice and snow, and perhaps an application. Mm-hmm. I, well, and I guess, really, if you think about just maybe videos you've seen or documentaries where, you know, you see polar bears, you know, not sliding on their bellies across the ice as much as running or, or walking, where, you know, maybe you'll see a dog that runs out on an icy pond and it's really just sliding all over the place because they, I assume, don't have that kind of traction in their paws the way that the polar bears do. Yeah, that was an interesting twist that actually started when we t- 
thought about this. And so as I said, uh, we had these uh, observations that were reported in the 1980s about these bumps. And so we thought that this would be a good example to explore. So we started looking at surfaces of other bears. So let's look at uh, bears which are not in the habitat, which are snow. So uh, and see if they have the similar bumps or do they give us any clues whether the bumps are really the uh, important criteria for their traction on snow. We didn't really have a chance to actually experiment with real polar bears. Uh, we could only work with uh, the specimens that were collected, either from roadkill or some museum specimen. And so we started uh, exploring other species of bears. And to our surprise, what we discovered that it's not just the presence or absence of bumps. In fact, in the other bears, uh, we also observed the bumps. And so that brought us to a very interesting question is, is there anything different about the bumps on the polar bear that made it uh, give them better traction? And so what we started to do is we started to build 3D models. And 3D models that you could actually print using 3D printers at home. Uh, and what we designed is surfaces with very different sizes of the bumps on them. So we can make them taller, we can make them fatter. And by doing that, we started measuring uh, the traction of those synthetic surfaces on snow. And that's where we actually discovered that there is a direct correlation between the size and the diameter of the bump and the snow traction that you can actually get from those. And then we went back and compared the bumps on the polar bear with the bumps on the other bear species that we looked at. And there was a clear difference that the bumps on the polar bear were taller and that allowed us to really connect, make this connection between the size of the bumps on the polar bear and the advantage they may have in terms of traction. Mm. The other interesting part of this is when we don't think about these things is that polar bears really live in very cold habitats. So they have to really protect themselves from losing the heat. And so most of the surfaces are covered with furs. And that goes with also the pad area on the feet. There is very little actual pad area, and a lot of that area is covered with fur. And so they have to be even more effective in getting the traction on the snow. So that little advantage that they get from the taller bumps was actually useful for them gripping surfaces. Hmm. Do, do we know, or I, I don't think it's so much probably your area of research interest, um, but I, I'm, what I'm wondering is if, if we know yet if, if the polar bears are born with those bumps that are lengthier than other bears, or if somehow that's adaptable, you know, if you took some other bear that could somehow survive in the same habitat, I wonder if the bumps on their paws would end up growing because of where they lived. Does that make sense? Yeah, Chris, this is a very difficult <laughs> question. <laughs> well, like, it's really not, you know, it's probably, that's, that's something probably for a different area. That's not your... You know what you're trying. You're not trying to learn about polar bears as much as you're trying to learn about, you know how can how can we create something to mimic that that type of grip. Now these so. are <laughs> these are really interesting questions. So question this, uh, I'm sure other experts would be happy to yeah. elaborate more <laughs> on. Uh, but I think the the key part of the the uh, findings were that sometimes we actually get uh, really uh, uh, fixed on certain ideas. Mm -hmm. 
And it takes a little bit of time and effort from the physics and the engineering side for us to actually dig deeper to figure this out. And so this example of polar bear, which this was buried in the 1980s, about these bumps being the cause of everything, mm-hmm. and it's just a surprise on our part to actually see bumps on the other bear surfaces, which were not really uh, specialized for snow and ice. And then the subtle difference in connection between bumps and the size of the bumps to snow traction was pretty intriguing to us. Uh, actually, one of the th- uh, thing that uh, we got uh, uh, really interested in this uh, uh, when we were studying these uh, polar bears is the specimen collection was so intriguing for us. And the student, uh, Nate Ondroff, who worked on this project, he's, uh, he's, uh, his passion is... Uh, long distance running. And so he would uh, go in early mornings of the day and weather conditions being snow and icy and stuff and was very interested in running. And so that's how he also got interested in this project is because he wanted to find better traction for his shoes on these surfaces. So uh, it's kind of uh, coincidental that both the scientific curiosity as well as his passion for running uh, kind of motivated to him studying this thing. So I guess I guess maybe next steps for you know for somebody whether that's you or someone else is is what to try to you know obviously do more research but 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 try to make a determination on whether we can create something that stems from this that would offer that say for running shoes or for tires or whatever else. Yeah, no, this is the exciting part of something that we do also at the University of Akron. Uh, we have a biomimicry research and innovation center. And so our goal is always to uh, think about how to take some of these ideas from natural systems, nature, and translate it to practice in some product or some innovation steps. So we are always looking for those ideas. Uh, This idea about bumps on polar uh, bear surfaces and pads has really inspired us to think deeper into how to create maybe gloves or maybe shoes traction uh, that could be uh, of an advantage uh, however, we are also looking for seeing how it can translate to maybe applications like tires, mm-hmm. where their traction, that's how we started actually originally, trying to think of how to uh, think about uh, ways to improve tractions for tires. And maybe now it's time for us to go back to that example and see how we can actually influence from the study. Mm-hmm. I, I, I bet you'd never imagined earlier in the, your career that you would have learned so much about polar bears. <laughs> Uh, as, as someone who, <laughs> you know, as a, as a scholar in, in polymer engineering, <laughs> uh, it's amazing how, the, how different things end up crossing over, isn't it? Yeah, Chris, this is what I think is exciting for me as well, uh, is this interconnection between systems in biology and what we not, normally don't think about. So when I uh, started thinking about biomimicry, actually, I started with an example of geckos. And geckos are... You lizards uh, that uh, you see some, you know, a little bit specialized uh, in terms of climbing and running around in vertical walls. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in India, and where we had all these lizards walking and crawling up the wall, but I was never noticing them until I really started looking at the feet structure here at Akron. And that inspired us to actually come up with a technology that could stick to surfaces uh, using uh, materials like carbon nanotubes and plastic pillars. And so, yeah, we've been looking at geckos with our colleagues here in biology. We've been looking at spiders for inspiration for tough material. Uh, 
Right now, one of the passion that we have is to look at synthetic colors inspired by birds. And so these are the kind of examples we are very excited about. Polar bear was a detour for us, mm. a surprising one, and uh, hopefully we'll do something more in the future. You know, for students who are interested in, in you know, maybe following in your footsteps and conducting, you know, research that, you know, is not only, um, you know, valuable in terms of the, you know, the publications and some of the, the, the things that come out of research that are sometimes, I think, difficult to, you know, assign a normative value where what you're talking about is something that maybe that in and of itself is not the complete answer, but it's one piece of the puzzle that leads to something that can benefit society. Um, is that why a lot of students want to study, I, I'll just say study polymers in general? Yeah, polymers is a really great example of an application of materials uh, which are so, so much useful for all of us right now. Think about a world without polymers. Uh, and so we have a graduate program uh, in polymer science and polymer engineering at the University of Akron, which has been 100 plus years old. Uh, great program if you are interested in going to an industry, working for a job in any of these industries. Polymer experience would be very valuable. Uh, in Last year, we also started an undergraduate program in polymer science and polymer engineering, uh, which is an interdisciplinary program. If you're interested in chemistry, interested in physics, in mathematics, in engineering, all of this can converge in this field of polymer science and polymer engineering. So I encourage you to actually think about it because most of the industries that are surrounding here, uh, maybe 150 plus industry just in Akron area, and about 500 industry in uh, Northeast Ohio area. These are all uh, organizations that are looking for bright uh, people to come and contribute. Mm -hmm. You mentioned tires a little while ago, and obviously there's this tire history um, uh, in Akron, and, and uh, certainly medical products is another one in our area. But um, I, I take it, based on what you just said, that means that job prospects are, is it fair to say, outstanding? It's outstanding, Chris. Uh, some of our graduates from the PhD and master's program find a job way before they even graduate. Mm -hmm. So this is a great opportunity uh, for this area. Right now, there are some really interesting challenges, uh, not only from technology, from, but also from science in creating sustainable plastic, creating plastics using natural product, which are not dependent on fossil fuels, there are challenges of CO2 reductions, energy reductions. Um, polymers are everywhere, and we cannot live without it, but we also need to figure out how to make them sustainable. Mm -hmm. Is it safe to assume that um, the salary ranges are attractive? Yes, the salary ranges are very attractive. These are the fields where they're looking for uh, uh, there are opportunities not only just in plastic industry. In fact, some of our graduates are actually working for Apple, they're working for uh, companies like Tesla and some of these big organizations. So I'm wondering, you know, for, for people who are listening who are maybe younger and still making some decisions about, you know, college um, or, or maybe their parents are listening right now, what should somebody be doing if they're maybe in high school and they're, you know, they're listening to this or they've heard maybe some other chats or read some things, what would be your advice on, on, on somebody when they're getting ready to embark on their college career who may want to follow the path that you just described. Yeah, so if you're in the high school or even middle school, I would encourage you to think about uh, doing science projects in schools 
And uh, if you get involved in science project, you get experience of looking at uh, how scientific discovery is done. And if you're interested in it, try to also see if you get opportunities to work with some of our professors here at the University of Akron. We do have high school students coming here and doing internships uh, during the regular semester or even all in the summer. And those are the ways that you can actually get to figure out if this is something that really interests you, this is something that you're passionate about. Uh, even if you come in uh, in a different discipline like chemical engineering or mechanical or even mathematics, there is still an opportunity to take some undergraduate classes in polymers. We offer those as well. And if you get excited about it, then graduate school is also a possibility, doing a master's and PhD. Mm -hmm. So we have offers from all the way from interactions from high school project to all the way to grad school. My understanding is that our, our uh, programs in the School of Polymer Science and Polymer Engineering um, are you know, not only highly ranked, um, we attract students from literally all over the world. Yes, we do have students from all over the world, literally uh, from all over the world, because we get students from Asia, from Europe, from Africa, from the U.S., of course. Uh, and so the history of this program is quite old. We started with our first rubber chemistry class in 1910, mm -hmm. which is like, if you think about it, 1910, the discovery of quantum mechanics at that time. Uh, we did not even actually knew polymers were a single chain molecules at that time. And that is how long this history has been. We've got now a really outstanding graduate program, which is ranked number one in the world right now. And so, yeah, think about this as a career. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM. Z-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88-88